0: Welcome, this is a message from Victory Church. We trust you'll be inspired and encouraged by today's message. Well, tonight we're going to continue looking at our Women of God series. We're going to look at uh, Naomi tonight. And uh, if you are visiting with us, this is the first time here. We've just taken a woman from the Bible, just looked at her life and thought, actually, what application is there in that for us? And I've always said it's not exhaustive. Okay, these are just, there's stacks of things. And my encouragement is when you hear from here, maybe some of the things that I feel God is showing me about this woman, I encourage you, go and do your own study. You go and read up and and then, because I love it when people come, hey, what about this and what about that? Because that's what it's about. I can't give you everything. Um, Because I don't know everything, but you'll find things will speak to you. So I want to encourage you: take what I say, but then go and do your own. And say, actually, you know what? This is what else I see in this, and this is what else I see in that. So we've looked at Tamar, we've been looking at, we've looked at Rahab, we looked at Rebecca, we've looked at Sarah. Last time we looked at uh, Mary Magdalene, and as I said tonight, I want to look at Naomi. And Naomi's story is found in the book of Ruth. So again. Go home over this next week and just, it's easy book, four chapters, easy to read and uh, just see what you get out of that. But just a little bit of a background that you just need, I need to fill you in so we can go from there. But there was a famine in the land and Naomi and her husband and her sons were living in what was then known as the Promised Land, it's where their inheritance was, but there was a famine and they decided that in the country, in a city called Moab, there was a um, food and things were available. So he they decided they would leave what they had and they would move down to Moab. Now the two sons married Moabite women, which you've got to also understand in Israelite law that actually was against the law. Israelites were supposed to marry fellow Israelites. So they go, they become part of uh, these Moabite people. And after ten years Naomi loses her husband And then she loses her two sons. So it's just her and her daughters-in-law. So they had no children. And then she hears that famine has broken back in her hometown of Judah. So famine has been broken, that there's now uh, food and land. And so she decides that she wants to to return home. And she, uh, her daughter-in-law is going to go with her. She tells them uh, not to bother. One of them stays behind. One of them goes with her. And the rest of the story is just about, I suppose, their trial, how they got there, and then God's favour and the restoration that comes to Naomi. So again, like I said, it's a quick, brief overview for those of you who may not know the story. And I do, I encourage you, just go and read it. You can go home tonight, four chapters, or the next week or two. Read that and so that you can see that what I'm saying is true but also so you can have uh, your own revelation about what you can get out of that story, all right? But the thing is, when I looked at Naomi's life, because often when you read the story of Ruth and Naomi, everybody talks about Ruth. And Ruth is great, and there's, we'll probably do her later. But I just felt when I saw Naomi and thinking about where we are uh, as a church and what we're hoping to do, I thought, you know what, I really want to speak on Naomi because there's some things in Naomi's life that... I personally would like to make mine and have ownership of, and I think you know sometimes you think about what would i what 's a legacy I would like to leave or what what is it I would like people to say about me and when I was reading it, there were three things that stood out to me, and I thought, actually, what I see in Naomi's life, I think I, it would be an honor if people thought that about me, so I just want to share on three of those things quickly, so the first thing that we can learn from the life of Naomi is that Naomi was a witness. What you've got to understand is she was an Israelite. She was a child of promise. So if you know any of the Bible stories, she was a child of promise, had the inheritance, it was all hers. She was the chosen people. And yet they moved from the so-called promised land into another culture that was apparently not godly, And yet when you read the story, it says when it was time for her to go back, her daughters-in-law wanted to go with her. And I thought, you know what? It's a picture of us today. The Bible says that we are aliens and foreigners in this world, that we're not actually, we live here, but we're not to be part of this world. And I thought, you know what? Naomi moved from what she knew, what was comfortable, what was her boundaries, what was her uh, parameters, what was her customs and her culture. She moved into something different, yet that didn't affect her. And I look at my life and think, you know what, I want to be like that. Because I'm an alien... And some of you can go, yeah, we, get, we see that about you. But that's all of us here who profess to be Christian, We're aliens in this world. We, but the, the whole upside-down series we're doing at church right now, it's like, you know what, we're, we're counterculture to what is being said is normal out there. And when I look at uh, Naomi's life, I think it would have been so much easier for her to have gone to Moab and just slipped in to what they did. They were idol-worshipping people. That's what If you read it, that's what the Bible says. They were godless people, and yet at the end of time, it's Ruth who goes with her who says, Your God will be my God. This one woman made an impact. I mean, think about it. Ruth has her family there. Everything she knows and her culture, they're all there. She's got her so-called gods. She has everything there, and yet Naomi was a w- obviously was a witness because Naomi had an impact on this woman rather than that woman having an impact on on her. And it's funny because often we have a uh, a 13-year-old daughter and often you know she's got lots of different friends and some friendships we encourage and other friendships we kind of encourage. So we'll never say no you can't but we're very very careful. And often the conversation I'm having with my kids is you know what you're supposed to be the influence here. So that child doesn 't know Jesus that child 's parents has a different set of values, a different set, and that 's cool because again we 're wanting to be a witness, but the pr- truth is i 'm watching your behavior and actually that child is having more of an effect on you than you are on them and it 's kind of a picture of Naomi Naomi was the one who was having an effect on Ruth rather than Ruth having an effect on Naomi and yet Ruth was in the majority, if you know what I'm saying. Ruth was the one where this is the standard, and yet Naomi was able to come into that. And I don't know about you, but that's how I want to be remembered. I want to be a witness. The Bible says in I think it's John um, 15 8, it says, Show yourselves to be my disciples. Naomi led this pagan worshipper into a right reliving relationship with God. She showed herself to be God's disciple. And I think when we, say, when we hear the word witness, we instantly, as believers, think of either standing on a soapbox with a placard and yelling out scripture or sitting your friends down and telling them about this, what the Bible says and this is what God says. But witnessing to me, is, that's such a small part. And sometimes I wish some people wouldn't even do that because I think witnessing is about our life and our lifestyle. And I was look. I had a, a quote I used it ages ago and I couldn't find it. But there's, and it's, it's either by um, someone like Smith Wigglesworth or Matthew Henry. And basically, the, and I only remember the end bit of it, but the crux of it is he talks about being a witness and he says sometimes use words. So in other words, we think we have this concept that witnessing is to sit down and Bible bash someone. But witnessing is actually, you know what, I'm going to show you that I'm Christ's disciple. Not me going, well, you can't do that. And I said, you get so sick and tired of Christians who live this lifestyle about I'm known by what I don't do. I, said, I don't smoke, I don't have sex before marriage, I don't do this, I don't do that, I don't... It's like, you know what, it's not, that's not the point. I want to be known by what I do do. Here's a woman who's different from everyone else. When there's economic crisis, they seem to be stable. When there's... Uh, emotions and fear and whatever, they seem to be stable, they seem to be happy, they seem to be full of joy, they seem to be confident when everyone else is... That's what to me what witnessing is. I'm not negating the opportunity for us to be able to share our faith because the Bible says that's what we're supposed to do. Faith comes from hearing and hearing from the Word. We, We are supposed to do that. But when we have a mindset that says witnessing is simply just Bible bashing someone, we've lost the plot. We can do far more by living it out than we do just shouting and preaching at someone. And you know what I mean? Have you ever, do you ever watch some of those shows or, this is going to sound superficial, and it is, but this is how we think, all right? If I'm going to go to the gym and I'm going to have a personal trainer, I want to have someone who looks like what they're doing works for them. Seriously. Because you know what? If the personal trainer is huffing and puffing more than I am when we're working out, if she's squeezed into spandex and I'm like, I just don't want to look, you can say, well, that's judgmental and that's shallow. Yeah, it is. But I'm like, it's obviously not working for you. So why am I, bo-? you know what I mean? But that's what it is. And I often think, you know, sometimes we sit there and we go, I've been inviting this person and I've been doing this and I've been doing that and I'm doing this and, and it's falling on deaf ears. And I have to say to some people, you know what? I wouldn't come knowing you. And they're like, oh, I said, no, seriously, you're miserable, you're nasty. I've never seen you smile in the 15 years I've known you. You know, and so we're going, but I'm doing this. I'm like, you know what, I think you could do a few other things. We're talking about Naomi, was, she, had, she was the minority that had a majority impact. And that's what we can learn from that. That's this whole upside down series. It's counterculture. The world is saying, do this, do that. Every man for himself, it's do that. And we're saying, actually, you know what? It's not like that. And I don't want to have to say to somebody, I'm a Christian. I want people who come to me and say, do you know what? I just know you're different. You respond differently. You don't do this. You don't do that. Now, we're not perfect. I mean, just today, driving along in my car, a little old man, a little old man in front of me is sitting on about 40 so I'm like, oh, okay. So I indicate, I go into the other lane, I go around, I go back in front of him. It's okay. I keep going. Then he decides, well, I'll move into the left lane. It's like, okay. I get to the lights, and I stalled my car for some reason. I, I stalled the car, right? Now, little old man has pulled up behind me. Polite, little old man. I stole my car, and then for some reason it wouldn't turn on. You know, obviously, if you panic. Do you know what he did? He beat me. <laughs> I tell you, if I wasn't talking about witness, I would have been out of that car at his window going... Dah, 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 dah. I was just like, oh, dude, like, oh, I stalled it. Do you think I did it deliberately? I mean, I'm having this conversation. <laughs> I take off, <clears throat> and I'm in the left-hand line. I have to turn left. As I indicate to turn left, he goes past. He beeps me again. <laughs> I was just like... And I said, without even thinking, I went, Grumpy guts. And I hear this giggling in the back and Bailey goes, Grumpy guts? That's funny, Mum. And I was like, oh, thank you, Jesus, it was only grumpy guts. (laughs) It's like, can you imagine what would come out later on? (laughs) Hey, Dad, Mummy said this. What does that mean? (laughs) It's about being a witness. Sometimes, use words, but most importantly, we've got to remember we are human beings not human doings. And it's the same with our Christian life. I'm not against doing. I mean, that is my unflattering nickname from Tony is Martha. If I get into Martha syndrome, he just goes, Martha, Martha, Martha. So I'm not against doing things. But we have to remember it's human beings, not human doings. And I believe if we witness from a being point of view, we're going to be more effective. We're going to be more like Naomi and having influence on those that God's put in our world than if we sat them down and then just told them I'm going to read to you from Genesis to Revelation and tell you why you need and I'm not discounting that there are times for that but I'm just saying you know what we just need to be a witness we need, we're human beings not human doings and what we've got to remember this is despite circumstances because what you have to understand is Naomi has lost her husband she's also lost her two sons She is in somewhat destitute. And yet she still has a positive influence on this woman. I'm not saying that when we become believers and we know Jesus that everything's hunky-dory, rosy, whatever. Life happens. And I can't answer why certain things happen and why they don't and why this and why that, but I do know that God is on his throne and it's about me being a witness. And so just being honest and saying to someone, you know what, I think if we despite our circumstances can be above it in terms of okay you know what I'm still looking for my healing yes I'm feeling sick or this is happening or this is going on but if I'm still have that element of you know what Jesus is in control and I trust him that's a witness and Naomi could have just if she had just said oh well God's my God's no different than your God's then she wouldn't have been a witness and so I'm just saying you know what there's no reason there's no excuse for us to not be a witness and often we look at it and go, yeah, well, that's okay then. And, I, you know, I love Facebook. I really do. I was saying to different girls today, what I love about it is you can find out things. So I say, like, hey, I can say to someone, oh, I heard your child did this or this. It's great. It is a great tool. Oh, I saw you went to that concert. Was it great? I saw you did this. Is it cool? And it can give you connection. But the downside of Facebook too is I see some stuff I just think, oh, honey, people know that you're a believer. <laughs> what does that look like? Or people know you go to victory. Oh, what does that look like? And I think we just don't think. I think, you know, some of the words we use, people get on there, and just because you don't spell out the word and you put a few little, what are those, symbols, it's still, duh, I still know what that means. Or some of the pages we like. I see people like these pages. I think, are you kidding me? And again, freedom, absolutely. But then you say to me, actually, you know what, I'm not really effective in friends. I'm not really effective in sharing my faith. I say, you know what, because your friends look at that and they know the same. Or maybe Facebook isn't your thing, but what about gossip around the water cooler or the kettle at work in the staff room? You know, when you're sitting there and you're just as slanderous about someone as your friend who doesn't go to church, it doesn't matter what they're saying or they think. They know that you are a supposed Christian and yet you act no different to them. And then we say, how come I'm not effective? It's like, because you know, you're not being, we are being a witness, you're just not being a very positive witness. So what is it for you? Whether it's schoolyard, kids are on the playground and mums are in there going, meh, meh, meh. it's like, you know what? And then we say, hey, come to church. I know a man who'll change your life. And we sit there and go, if it's us, honest, let's be honest, we'd go, what? And be like you. Like I said, that trainer from the gym, it's the same concept. Like, what? And be like, it's not working for you, so I'll try something else, thank you very much. So Naomi was a witness. Witness at every opportunity, sometimes use words. Secondly, talking about what I can glean out of Naomi's life, is I think she was selfless. In Ruth chapter 1, verse 11 and 13, when she's decided, you know what? My husband's dead, my sons are dead, the famine has broken back in Judah, I'm going home. She says to her daughters in daughters, return home, my daughters. Why would you come with me? Am I going to have any more sons who could become your husbands? Return home, my daughters. I'm too old to have another husband, even if I thought there was still hope for me, even if I had a husband tonight and then gave birth to sons. Would you wait until they grew up? Would you remain unmarried for them? No, my daughters, it's more bitter for me than you because the Lord's hand has gone out against me. And I read that and I think, what an offer! Because what you've got to understand is, back in Hebrew times, if you were married to a man, obviously, if he died and you didn't have children, then the responsibility was for the next brother to marry you. And then it just keeps going. And you may remember, I think, in when we talked about Tamar, we talked that was the problem. There is because they kept dying because they were evil and then um, dad wouldn't give the youngest son to her. So that's part of the culture, which means for Naomi is that she's got these two daughter-in-laws, which are technically legally hers, and so what she's saying is, you know what, even if I was to remarry and have sons, are you going to wait? Because their duty and responsibility would be to marry their brother's wives because neither of them had children. And here's this selfless act where she says, you know what, I can't do anything about it, but you two have an opportunity. And so she's literally saying to them, if you stay here, you could actually remarry and continue on. And you've got to put yourself in that position because you have to understand that Naomi's future is tied up in her family. Because not so much nowadays our families are all fractured, but what would happen was that the more kids that you would have, the better off you were, because they then, in your old age, looked after you. They provided for mum and dad and looked after you. That was your inheritance. And so Naomi's literally saying, okay, I don't have, my sons have gone. You are my only chance really of getting further in life, but I'm releasing you for your benefit. And I think, what a selfless act to be able to go, you know what, I could take you with me in the hope that something could turn out and this is what happened. But what she's really saying is, you know what, you go, because it's better for you. There's better opportunities if you stay here in your hometown. You're young, you don't have children, you can remarry. Life could be rosy for you. And let's face it, I don't know how far Moab is from where she was going, but she's obviously not some spring chicken and she's going to do this whole journey. I think even if you forget the future, just the fact that I don't want to walk this road alone, I could get mugged. Down the road, I just think, what a selfless act to be able to go, you know what, it's not about me. It's about I'm doing this for your future. And I think, you know what, we talk about being witnesses, we talk about being girls who want to make a difference in the world, then we've got to start being selfless. And just go, you know what, it's actually not about me. It's about what I can do for others. So uh, it was a selfless act. Philippians 2 3 says, do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit but in humility, consider others better than yourself. In Romans 12.10, it says, Be devoted to one another in brotherly love. Honour one another above yourself. Again, we're back to our upside-down series that we've been doing in church. It's about if you want to rule, then you need to serve. If you want to have success in life, then you know what? We need to start giving out. And I think, you know, as women, generally, we're pretty selfless because we're always putting ourselves, but I want to be selfless with um what's the word uh you know pinpoint uh focus yeah purpose thank you It was there somewhere (laughs) I want to be selfless with purpose you know not not self I I can be selfless because here's what we do I'm selfless when it comes to my family so I'm on the treadmill this morning. I'm running. I can hear there's World War III going on inside. So I decide, you know what? Selflessness part of me says I have to give up my training to go in there and sort these guys out before they kill each other. But God's not asking us just to be self. because actually we can decorate that as being selfless, but it's not really selfless because it's still me and my. If true selfless is, you know what, when there's absolutely no benefit attached whatsoever. And just, you know what, I need to do this because it actually benefits someone else. It's not about me, it's about them. And I think we would just do much better in life if we could just adopt that attitude. I think some, you know, some people, I have to say to them, you know, you're just too stingy and too self-focused. That's why you're miserable. You know, I do. It's like, seriously, you know, if you stopped looking at yourself and started looking at others, you might actually be a little bit happier. You might actually... I often have to say that with my own kids. It's so, like, oi, it's one of the benefits of being able to travel. To expose them to cultures and they come back and they, I mean, they are clueless. They can have a Wii, they can have a PlayStation, then they want a DS and then the DS, no, but now I want a DSi because that takes photos and I, don't, I want this and then they want the iPod, but now I've got an iPod, I want the new iPod because that has a camera and blah, 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 it's never ending. And then you take them to a country like South Africa or India, places and they just realise, you know what, I'm rich. I have much more than I need. You know, it's a conversation. Our natural tendency is to selfishness. And we've got to be like Naomi and go, you know what, I need to be selfless, but not just selfless and veiled and and, um, hidden in my selflessness, but it's still me, but actually absolutely got nothing to do with me. And that's the greatest thing of Christianity, to be able to do things and know, you know what, I get no benefit out of that. And that's what the scripture says when it talks about, you know, Good on you who have a dinner party for those who can repay you. Go do it for someone who can't. Just go and do it for someone who can't. And I'm not saying it has to be a major act of, you know, oh, I went and did something heroic. You know, chuck someone a smile. That'll shock a lot of people. Don't have a go the old guy behind you beeping. You know, <laughs> it'll surprise people. But we need to be selfless. We need to adopt the it's not about me spirit. Let's be selfless so others can be fulfilled. And then the third thing I've learnt about Naomi, actually a little thing, I didn't put a point in, but um, the other thing when I was going to do it too was inclusive. It's not one of my points, but I thought, you know what, Naomi is inclusive. Because I mentioned to you about the Israelites were forbidden by law to marry Moabites. And yet both they went and lived in Moab and both her sons married Moabite women. And I think, you know what? For Ruth and Orpah, they were actually going to both follow Naomi. Obviously, Ruth continued and Orpah turned back. But she had an influence on both their lives. And I think, you know what? What I see there too is a woman who's inclusive because if she had adopted that attitude, and quite rightly in some regards, because they weren't what God had said, that her son, she could have really turned them off. I thought, you know, here's a woman who's inclusive because she's won them over, and yet she had every right to be able to say, "Well, you know what? My sons did the wrong thing. Uh, you're not God's chosen people, and so I'm not opening my life to you." And yet she obviously opened her life to you uh, to them, and by being uh, a witness and then by being selfless, so she was inclusive, and I think we need to be inclusive. And I think it was on Sunday. Oh, no, you know what? It was when we were away. I was listening to Cesar's message, and he just talked about, about we want people to behave, but they need to feel like they belong first. And when someone feels they belong, then their behavior will change. And you know what? We just need to be an inclusive people. doesn't mean we embrace everything and say, hey, that's A-OK, because there are some lifestyle and some choices that people make that we don't necessarily agree with. But it's not like as we meet them at the door, we shake their hand and we go, oh, that we don't do here. It's like, you know what? Everybody's welcome. Those doors will never shut to anyone. Everybody's welcome. But if you want to then move on, if you want the next step, it may mean some lifestyle changes for you, but it isn't. That's because that's what God's word says and I'm here to uphold God's word, but it has absolutely nothing to do with you not being welcome here. So Naomi was inclusive, but the other thing was that I feel that Naomi was a mentor. In Ruth chapter 3, verse 1, when they've gone back to uh, Judah and then Ruth is working in the field with Boaz, there comes an opportunity for Naomi. And Naomi, I mean, she's a smart woman. She recognizes the hand of God. Because what happens is the field that um, Ruth is working in is owned by Boaz, who is called a um, kinsman redeemer. Now what you need to know about that, back in uh, those days, what happened is if you had land and then all the, ma- the men died, someone in your family line, a male, could step in and take that land but what happens is when they took the land, they take the women who come with it. So in other words, uh, Naomi's land that her and her husband left, they came back, so now she's got Naomi and Ruth. Somebody could come and take the land, but they would then take Ruth too. And what happens is that she becomes their wife. Then the children, the first child that is born, actually, instead of being the guy's heritage, it goes back to the man who's dead so that the family line and the family name didn't disappear. Does that make sense? So it's like, oh, cool. Here's a good deal. Here's some land. Oh, it comes with this woman. And what also comes with it is the first son you have isn't technically yours, it becomes the line of this. So, what happens is Ruth is working in the field. She says to Naomi one day, whose field it is, Naomi has this revelation ah, that's actually one of our kinsmen redeemers. And then she has this plan and she goes about and she tells Ruth what to do. And I just think, you know what, as women of God, that's our role is to be mentors. I am amazed when you start to do life with people, anyone from under my generation, it's its amazing what they do not know. I mean, I, my kids, are, <laughs> I'm guilty. I can sew. My kids don't know that because I hate it. But my mother was a seamstress, so she taught me that. I even have a sewing machine. I About five years ago, Bailey, Jordy had to go to a... Uh, a costume party, and I had an old skirt. All I did was whip off the bottom, put a waistband on it, sewed up, and I mean, she was like, like, you're amazing. I was just like, oh, if you only knew. <laughs> <laughs> now, just because I can doesn't, uh, doesn't mean I do, <laughs> right? So I still send all my mending to mum, because I'm like, don't you dare die, mum, because what am I going to do? Anyway, not really, mum. <laughs> I like you for other reasons, mum. But... The thing is, what I've discovered, and like I said, my own kids are growing up, and the thing is, we don't pass on some of this stuff. And so someone, I'm going to say 40, there may be a few bit younger, depends on your parenting, but there are a lot of people under 40 who just haven't been shown some stuff. And so we were on holidays recently. I mean, even as simple as this. My kids know if we're on a bus, we're in public... If there's an older person standing, they stand up. I don't care whether I've had to pay for them or not, but I'm amazed how many people don't do that. Even young people, even like um, people my age who've paid for their kids. I've heard the conversations. Well, I've paid for your seat as much as theirs. I'm like, my goodness me. And we were coming back 1 a.m. in our last trip, coming back, and you have to get on a bus to get to the plane. It's 1 o'clock in the morning. I've got Bailey is four. Every time we stop, she just laid on the floor. We just let her just lay on the floor. I don't care. Sleep, and I'll just like my suitcase, just kick you along <laughs> as we go. We're on the bus. I watch these two guys. Now, I don't. My suspicion is, because you know how you then go, I can't reckon. What's your story? I reckon your story is this. Anyway, I think they were newlyweds. I reckon they had a suit bag. So I think they'd elope to get married or whatever. So there's four seats. They've got a seat each, there's two in between them. They've got this precious little bag, uh, probably her wedding dress or his suit, and they've got their knees. I watched five elderly people, all our kids stood up, the family we were with, their kids stood up, and I just watched these two across from me. No way. They didn't take the bag off. They didn't move their legs. I mean, it was 1 o'clock in the morning. I was being a witness. I certainly was going to be a nasty witness in a minute. They were lucky that the bus stopped at the aeroplane to get. I was going to let them have it. I'm like, how could you? Five people. I mean, I got up. I'm like, I've got Bailey asleep on me. I'm like, please, take my seat. I was just like, but you know what? I thought afterwards, some people I know do it deliberately because they're just selfish and full of work, but some people just are clueless. And we're supposed to be mentors. We have to teach people how to live. And I want to encourage you here, I don't care what age you are, that you can be a mentor to someone. You can be a Naomi. Like Naomi said to Ruth, this is what I want you to do, honey. Go and have a bath. Go and put this on. Go and do this. Go to the threshing floor at night. You go and uncover the man's feet. He'll wake up. He'll see you there. He'll ask what's going on. You'll tell him, he, you're my kinsman redeemer, which is literally she say, she's proposing to him. If you marry me, you can have this. He's blown away because he's an older man. He's realized, you know what? She could have her pick of any young man. So, Naomi, but Naomi has coached her through this whole thing. She's taught her what to do. And sometimes we can have attitude to younger people, and actually, we're the problem. It's like rather than getting an attitude and get like me, just like, oh, stupid, it's like, you know what? Just take some people under our wing and teach them. Teach them manners, teach them sewing, teach them cooking. There are plenty of opportunities just here at Victory where we can get involved, but I'm not saying even wait till there's an administrative function for you to do. I'm saying, you know what? There's a girl sitting next to you. There's On Sundays, there are people in this place who would love to be mentored by you. Now, hear me. It's not come alongside, I'm going to mentor you. It's like, just do life with them. You know Because if you say, oh, I'm going to mentor you, you might get, I'm going to mentor you in a minute. <laughs> so... There are opportunities all around. Please don't wait for it to be formalised. Well, I have to be asked or I have to be... Just do life with someone. And again, really hear me on the weirdo spiritual super stuff. Like, don't do that because you really will just turn people off. Just share your life. Open your life. In Titus, it says this. Titus 2, 3 to 5 says, Likewise, teach the older women to be reverent in the way they live, not to be slanderers... Or addicted to much wine. But teach what is good. They then... Do you think like this? This is how I think. It says, teach the older women not to be slanderers. It didn't say teach the younger women not to be slanderers. Often we go, you know, it's those young girls over there bitching away. You know what? 40 up. 30 up. Teach the older women not to be slanderers. To be reverent in the way they live, not addicted to much wine... But to teach what is good, that they can train the younger women to love their husbands and children, to be self-controlled and pure, to be busy at home, not a busy body, but busy at home, to be kind and to be subject to the husbands. So why? So that no one will malign the word of God. So no one just doesn't come and go, well, that's what Christians do. or thats It's like, no, just teach them. Our responsibility is to teach people how to live. (laughs) Manners just don't come naturally. Our kids just weren't born with please, thank you, I'll share my toy with you, I'll do this. No, my kids are like the biggest sinners in the world, but so am I so are you. It's not a natural bent. We have to teach people and train people that. And I'm just saying, you know, why wait until well I've been asked to do this? Not. um, subservient over someone and I've got it all and I'm just going to come here, I'm going to teach you how to live no, you don't want to impose it on someone but just do life, have coffee with someone for goodness sake, get to know them like them and make them like you and then when they like you then maybe they'll be a little bit more open for you know what, have you ever noticed that people recoil when you talk to them and you go what do you mean, it's like your breath stinks seriously, there are women in this room who can tell you I've had that conversation with you but it's not the first thing I say oh, by the way, you, you reek I've done life with them and then I've said, you know what, I sense something of God on you and I sense that you, But this is what's going to put you off you've got a great story, you've got a great this, but you've got a dental problem we can help you with that or, you know what, you've got a body odour problem some people don't know. I mean I'm gonna tell you a story. My kids hate me, but don't you ever repeat this, okay? Geordie's thirteen. She is just going through the age now where she starts to smell. But she doesn't know that. So I walk into the room and go, What is that? I'm looking under the bed for what has died in here? But it's just a jacket she's been wearing for three weeks. You just gotta teach. She doesn't know that she's cl- she's coming into this new thing. She's never been a problem. She's been able to wear a jacket for three weeks. She can wear the same school shirt for a week, not anymore. So like, okay, uh, training. Uh, there's women in this room. I've had to. See. You know what? They've grown up in circumstances, or no one's bothered to care. There's different cultures, so sometimes it's not clothes, but it's just what they eat comes out. There's, there's certain things, and I'm like, who's going to tell them? And not like, are oh, you're not nasty. But just hey, have you considered this? Can I tell you this? You've got to. Go. I love the fact. You know what? You're warm, and people want to um, speak to you. But you not. Do you, have you noticed people? Yeah, I do. I notice people as they talk, they they back off. You know they. <laughs> I, I'll tell you why. It's a little thing called periodontitis. But I can tell you how you can fix it. You know what? I got really good friends because I do that. Because you know what they go. No one else. Because imagine if it's you. Wouldn't you rather know? Wouldn't you rather know than be going around thinking, is there something wrong with it? Yes. <laughs> Your breath stinks. I like my friend, you know, I can have coffee, so I don't know that often I'll get, uh, you know, you get a bit of thing. Like, oh. But I would rather that than I get home and I go, oh, great, I've had this thing hanging out like a tree and nobody <laughs> thought to tell me. It's so like, thanks a lot. Or, you know, have you ever seen those... Um, you know those gag shows and they always tuck a lady's dress in her stockings to see if anybody's going to say? Seriously, I'm the one in the shop <clears throat> you've got toilet paper hanging out from under your pants. <laughs> I, just, I just figure it's, I know what I would like. And this is where we've got to put ourselves. I would rather a complete stranger come up and tell me, your fly's undone, than I've walked through the whole shop and everybody's got <laughs> flies undone. Like, someone tell me. I have this conversation all the time. I'm like, you've went and told 20 people you saw a woman in the shop with this. Did you have the guts to go and tell them? And then they get annoyed. that Oh, you're so... I'm like, no, I'm serious. You, You had the courage to tell 20 other people. Have the courage to tell the one that really can do something about it. We're talking about be a witness. Be a mentor. Be selfless. This is what I got out of Naomi's life. At the end of the day, when my life's done and dusted, I'd love those things to be said about me. You know what? She was a witness. Yeah, well, she wasn't perfect. Oh, goodness me, no. But she was a witness. Her life at least exuded something. If she was wrong and she mucked it up and she let go at the old man, well, she went and found him and apologised or, you know, at least went to God. I'm sorry, Lord. Hope we never see him at victory. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not talking perfection. I just, I just want, I want my life to say she was just a great witness. She showed herself to be my disciple. I want my life to say she was selfless. Does that mean all the time? Obviously not. We're all prone to that. It's about a pattern, not just a one-off. And I want my life to say, I want people to say, you know what? I like the fact that she mentored me. Again, it's not perfection. And you might sit there and think, well, what have I got? You know, you've all got something. Friendship. Start there. Extend your life, and you'll be amazed at what you can learn and impart. You'll be... I remember um, we had a conversation with Barb. Somebody rang Barb in the office um, it was about, I can't remember what it was, but it was about something. And her confession was this when they started quizzing her, she said oh, she was amazed at what she knew. So it's in there, it's just that she hadn't been in the position for it to be brought out. And there's a lot of stuff in you, good stuff. But you've got to put yourself in the position where it can come out. Naomi was in a position where the good stuff could come out. So I want to be like Naomi, I want to be a witness. I want to be selfless. I want to be a mentor. And you know what? This is the thing I want to leave you with. I said about not waiting for it to be formalised. Take someone under your wing. Can I leave you with this? There's no guarantees. For as many as have come through that I've shared my life with, that we've done things, there's been, there's been a few who've also hate my guts and don't want to know me and slander me. And, but you know what? It's life. What are you going to focus on? Do you focus on those or do you focus on those? I'm just go. you know what? There's always going to be some who don't like it, but that's not my responsibility. Where it's my fault and I've done things, I need to have ownership for that, and I've always said I'm not perfect and I've done things wrong. But my conviction is I'm still here. I haven't left. I'm still going. I'm willing to work anything out. If you stay here with me, we can work it. It doesn't matter what it is. We can work it out. If you leave, well, unfortunately, there's nothing I can do about making restoration. I'm not perfect. You're not perfect, but let's... Walk together. There's no guarantees. The first redeemer, this is what you have to understand about the story of uh, Ruth, is Boaz wasn't actually the closest kinsman redeemer. There was someone else who was closer who actually had first choice. And he said no. He was interested in the deal until he found out, oh, the girl comes with it, and then, oh, I'm in danger of losing my... This is what his words are. I'm in danger of losing my inheritance because I've already got something built up and I've got my own a little bit of wealth here. If I marry this woman, take on this land, our first son gets that and part of what I have. The first kinsman redeemer said no, but Boaz said yes. And we've just got to remember, you know, some people will say no, but we, there's a lot, a lot who say yes. There are a lot of people out there who are dying to have someone to help them. They just don't know. You don't know what you don't know. While it was easy for me to judge this young couple about their motives, you know what? At the end of the day, you don't know what you don't know. I don't know if they even were... They were probably clueless. So busy, lovey-dovey in their own world, they were probably clueless as to what was going on. People don't know what they don't know. And what I love about that is the end of the story is Naomi is restored. Boaz marries Ruth. They have a baby, a son, and they, Ruth and Boaz, it says in the Bible... They acted, believed, walked out the fact that that son, Obed, was Naomi's. They referred to that child as being Naomi's son. And here's the last greatest bit of news, is from that lineage and that heritage comes Jesus. He's back in the family line. It's like, you know what? God can redeem anything. So whatever is happening in your life, doesn't matter whether it's been a great week a good week or the worst week in your life, you can still be a witness and a positive one. You can still be selfless and you can still mentor someone. Amen? Amen. Well, that's it from Naomi. That's all we hear from her. Yeah, you can clap. This is the end of the message. Thank you for taking the time to listen, and God bless.